You're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buchan, Insights and Communications Executive at AMBA BJ. Today in the podcast, I spoke to Gabriele Muzella, who is the co-founder and CEO of CoinRoll. Gabriele started his organisation right before the pandemic started, but two years later, the organisation could not be more successful or attracting more attention. CoinRoll's mission is to make sure that trading in cryptocurrency becomes more accessible to everyone and is completely disrupting the sector. I spoke to Gabrielli to learn more about cryptocurrency in general and learn how this agile startup goes out of its way to keep its staff happy and motivated. Here's that conversation. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your career so far, please? My background is in uh, design and user experience, and I've been always working in uh, innovation labs of several banks, uh, mostly in the UK, in London, uh, you know, with banks like uh, UBS, Lloyd's, Banking Group, uh, and Adidas Operation HSBC. And uh, prior to that, I was in Finland uh, and also lived in Boston for two years. I was, uh, I had like my, my kind of academic scientific uh, journey, work experience uh, at MIT in a lab. It was very interesting. We are doing a lot of um, data uh, visualizations and information design project, mostly for smart cities. Uh, so yeah, basically I'm a mix now of uh, uh, design practitioner as well as a business uh, businessman, and uh, I kind of try to merge those two uh, toolkits and expertise into what I'm doing now, that is uh, cryptocurrency trading. How did you first enter the world of online currency? So it started when I was in Boston in 2012, uh, when I bought my first Bitcoin, uh, and then uh, funny enough, I sold it and I made a 6% profit and I was very happy um, because I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, but then uh, with that money, I think with those money, I went to Bahamas here for a trip or something like that. But that's when, anyway, that's when I got interested in cryptocurrencies. Um, and, um, and then what happened is, obviously, I was always working for banks in the fintech space. Uh, so I was always uh, making a product more accessible and easy to use for uh, that type of audience. Then at some point, uh, I went back on my Coinbase account and I, I found out this new coin called Ethereum. And that's when in 2016, I started getting again uh, more massively into trading and I started experimenting. I really kind of um, resonate with, with all the values that of the blockchain and cryptocurrencies community. And, and then at that point, uh, I wanted to create a script uh, to automate some of my trades. Uh, and uh, I created something very sketchy, uh, very like, you know, kind of hacky. And, uh, and then I figured out that actually there's a lot of people that want to create automated strategies for their trading. Because obviously, when you have a full-time job, you don't spend, you cannot spend so much time in front of, of charts. Uh, and that's when I came up with the idea for CoinRoo. Um, and uh, yeah, and here we are now, like, you know, three years into the company. We did uh, Y Combinator, we fundraised, we have a huge customer base. Uh, but we can touch base on that uh, in, in, in a bit. Definitely. It's a con real that I want to learn a little bit more about. Can you give me a little bit of insight into what a crypto trading platform does for those who don't know? Yeah, so um, CoinRule is an automated trading platform. It means that uh, we are not the first venue uh, where you go to buy your first coin, right? 
So usually people use uh, apps like Luna or Coinbase to buy the first Bitcoin or Ethereum. And then what happened after a few months, you start uh, having the needs to uh, to having something something a little bit more sophisticated. And and uh, and then you know you want to create some sort of automations because you understand there are certain correlations on the market. Uh, and that's why you, you you look for tools like CoinRule. With us, you can say uh, you can go on the platform, you can sign up for free, and you can you can create bots that, for example, does some simple mechanisms like uh, if bitcoin goes down three percent buy this other coin at a specific price given certain conditions uh, then when the strategy look, looks fine to you then you press play and this bot goes on the market and trades on your behalf uh, and you can create more than ten thousand different uh, strategies and logics uh, and also there's like a very uh, extended uh, strategy library where you can take a specific template and you can tweak it. So it's really, it's, it's a, we, our belief is that you cannot trade uh, without automation in 2022. Uh, and, and then that's why we created uh, a very simple interface to give everyone access to uh, automated trading, even if you don't know how, how to uh, program or, or like to code or if you're not tech savvy. Uh, so this is our really our selling point and that's what differentiates us from the Coinbase of this world. And it's still not something that is used by kind of the general public. What do you think needs to happen to ensure that cryptocurrency becomes more widely embraced? I mean, cryptocurrencies as a, as a whole is a problem of uh, being a simply a kind of primordial technology that uh, obviously has been the domain of, of technicians and developers uh, and computer scientists. And now, you know, almost, almost like after a decade that it has been around, we are seeing that finally, like it has been adopted more also from, from the kind of the, the, the soft science, um, the kind of disciplines and people coming from that, from that, uh, from that domain. So we're seeing lawyers coming into the space uh, with the, you know, with the DAOs. We are seeing, uh, we're seeing a lot of designers coming into the space, business people that, you know, actually building good companies around cryptocurrencies and also blockchain. And, and this is what's, what's going to happen soon. It's going to kind of spread the adoption of cryptocurrencies and that does not uh, been you know happening in the past so for example one indicator one good indicator of that was uh, when you go to conferences uh, you know the conference for 2017 was all about like technology and security and databases and decentralization where if you go now there's a much more many more people talking uh, about there are many more people talking about uh, the price points resistance more like kind of uh, strictly speaking financial uh, financial topics so i think i think you know we're seeing also with the with the with the government coming into the play with the you know uh, central central bank stable coins and other sort of more institutionalized blockchains and use cases we will see uh, a wider adoption of, of tokens and cryptocurrencies and other than using coin rule what advice would you give someone who's looking to get into cryptocurrency? Just start. Don't think about it. Just uh, throw $10, $20 to start with, you know, uh, uh, go through the, the, the onboarding process on one of the simple platforms that you can find online. Just experiment because it's one of those things, like, you know, it happens always with the new, uh, with the new technology and innovations. At the beginning, it's very difficult to, to attach a label on it because they kind of represent uh, different things for different audiences and different sectors. So I think the, the, the ultimate thing to understand what, what is it about is actually just to try it out. Um, you know, because there are several uh, reasoning, right, lines that you can follow. One could be, you know, with cryptos, you can transact a huge amount of money from one side of the world to the other side, just, uh, you know, with a simple click, 
uh, instantly and you know by paying very very low fees without having any intermediaries. So this is just one of the use cases, right? The kind of the payment use case. So I can basically send money to someone in China without knowing him, but the system has already a, a trust system, a trust mechanism that allows me to do that. Uh, and that's one case. Then there's another case with, for example, the NFTs. So, you know, I can buy finally a digital art piece without knowing, uh, you know, if it's a counterfact or it's real because it's just an NFT. So that uh, already the NFT token um, gives me the, 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 the proof of originality, singularity of that art piece. So there are like specific use cases that makes a lot of sense or even like, for example, contracts, like law contracts in the future, lawyers will be coders because you need to code into the contract that you are, you're, you're using for your house rent, for your insurance, you need to code the rules by which uh, you receive or you, or you send payments and also all the mechanism of, 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 of the rates, of the interests. So you know there are like several sectors that are being affected by uh, the blockchain um, technology first, and then also by the cryptocurrencies and tokens unit that get exchanged. It sounds very exciting and I feel quite inspired to go and have a look at it myself. But moving on to talk a little bit more about CoinRoll as a company, you seem to be very proud of the culture that you've created there. Can you tell me a little bit more about the culture and what makes it distinctive? Yeah, so culture is, um, we have a lot of conversation with, with my team, you know, about how we, we do governance, how we, we actually manage our days, what actually work means, like, you know, uh, we, we kind of take it as a granted that work is basically sitting on a desk and, you know, do tasks and then delivering. And actually, what does that mean, you know, essentially, actually work in, in the kind of the grand scheme of your, your life, right, as a human being? And so we talk a lot of that. And we, we also have this concept of life-work balance. Because for us, obviously, there's your life and the work try to be customized around your rhythm, your schedule, your, your type of mindset. Um, so we, we, we always have a, um, conversations where we really, it's a really bottom-up approach. Uh, so there is a very distinctive kind of concept of having a community and having a company. So arguably, a company is much more effective because there is more a kind of command and control approach. There's a certain structure. So everyone is more effective. But then on the other side, if you have too much of that culture in place that is very structured, then you lose the community, uh, the community effort, the fun, the engagement, and the motivation. So all the soft, uh, the soft nudging uh, points that you need in order to uh, have people being happy to actually do whatever they're doing. Uh, so there's always a big conversation about like, is a company more like a, a kind of soft dictatorship or it's more like a, a actually a democracy or even like a bottom-up um, bottom kind of community like the bunny man, for example. So there's always this dualism and we are very aware of that. And we try to kind of sit, I think a little bit more towards the, 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 the kind of the self-managed company, but I know that sometimes we need to kind of go back and have more kind of structured process. And this gets obviously all this kind of abstract thinking gets then um, uh, applied, uh, you know, in in our policies. So we have uh, full, you know, we are fully remote. Uh, we offer our employees uh, a co-working space, a desk, wherever they are. Uh, we offer them, you know, uh, health insurance. If, no matter if they're in Nigeria, in the Maldives, uh, we offer them like uh, limited holidays. So as much as you need. Obviously, you cannot just go off like three months and never come back and get salary. But you know, there is kind of um, a very um, 
nice um, uh, culture towards holidays and taking time off. And uh, some people also, they just want a specific set of days so they know how to calculate them and they feel anxious. We accommodate that as well when there's a request. So it's kind of really customized. And now we are we are adding also a few more stuff. We are adding um, a monthly hackathon where developers can, can uh, work on, on whatever they think it's cool that can be also unrelated to the company. Uh, we're adding a food allowance, uh, you know, on a delivery app. So we just basically try to make your life as easy as possible. Uh, and um, you know how, how Google tried to keep you in the campus, right? We try to keep you in your life basically as much as possible so that you can reach your goal in life. And then, you know, the work is the fun part because it allows you to reach your goal in life. So it's the, if Google is this mega campus where you are in and you eat and you sleep there, we want, uh, you know your campus to be your life and your 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 house or your network your support network in your city and we try to facilitate that that sounds like a great place to work and i was reading in a recent interview with you that you said you did happiness checks on all your employees and i just want to know what these are and how you do them and has your organization benefited from carrying them now yeah, we do a lot of a lot of checks. We have a lot of uh, uh, feedback loops. Uh, so every week there is these um, questions like uh, it's basically you know how was your week from one to ten? You know one week uh, very bad and then it'd be super duper. Um, so that's every week. So already the the it's almost like a gratitude journal or already the fact of adding a, a, a number a scale to your week kind of makes you feeling already happier. And then we have a very a lot of one to ones that are really not not really kind of a performance view, but they're like really catching up and understanding where, 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 you know, the leadership team in the company or the company itself, colleagues can help you achieve your personal goal. So I do a lot of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the fact of being a, a startup, you know, to being not more than 20 people uh, really allow us to move fast. So whenever there is a need, uh, we, we try to accommodate it as soon as possible. You know, nowadays, it's very easy just to ship something to any countries uh, if you need some more equipment, some like more um, ergonomics in your workspace, uh, you know, being that a chair or a new desk or monitor or something, we need to try to accommodate. And now we have also this uh, welcome package when you join a company, we give you all the perks, all the nice things, you have the t-shirt, the mugs, but also we give you a Kindle with, uh, with like uh, you know, books attached to it. Uh, so that you know, we already give you like also a set of of resources that you can you can read also to be more connected with the others. So you started the company during the peak of the COVID pandemic, and I was just wondering how this impacted your startup. Well, uh, yeah, that that was the 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 hard the hardest part probably. We started like I would say like maybe like uh, uh, I think at least six months before that, but then the big boom yeah was during the the pandemic. Um, it was funny enough because we 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 did the first fundraise with uh, with the bank in Hungary. Obviously, we are UK based, um, and then from November twenty, I think twenty nineteen, we grew so much. Like we grew, we we grew like in a, in a crazy manner, manner. And um, but then during the pandemic, we were actually in the middle of a fundraise, and the, the pandemic just stopped that process. Uh, so we found ourselves with uh, not much cash in the bank. We had to fire half of the team. We had to put some people on furlough. So we had like three, four months were very, very, very difficult. Uh, we had to take a lot of very uh, difficult decision. And then we had like this kind of genius idea to, to kind of start uh, collecting interests from uh, all, all our customer base. Basically, we found out that we had so much traffic on the website 
uh, and a lot of our users actually also wanted to invest in the company. Um, so we, we, we created like a, a crowdfunding campaign, but before we already had like around, around more than hundreds of, of people that wanted to invest. So in private sale, I remember we had like a target in private sale, we already reached that target. We opened the campaign publicly on, on Cedars, the crowdfunding platform. And uh, literally within two weeks, we, we reached like 200% of our goal target. So I think we fundraised total around seven, 700K USD. Uh, and that's what really saved us. And the plus, the, the, there was a bull market. Uh, so we grew 10x in one year. Uh, and now, you know, now we, we have a team of 20, we can pay competitive salaries. And now we are looking to do a Series A. Um, and between this, I forgot the most important thing, probably, we got into Y Combinator. That's uh, one of the best accelerators in the world. And so my last question, obviously, we work with business schools. So I was just really interested to know, um, you've done several courses at business schools, including LSE and Harvard. What do you think that business schools need to be teaching students to contend with the future where cryptocurrency could be the, no- the normal? That's a very good question. So, <laughs> the, <laughs> so there are like several things they could teach. Um, it, it seems that when uh, you know business schools are, are good at giving you uh, a lot of theory uh, and the frameworks to use in different situations. So, you know, uh, if you're a manager, if you're in a leadership position, you, you know where to actually uh, source some specific best practice. And, and also you have heard about specific situation and you, you potentially know theoretically how to solve that. But then there is the other, the other side of, 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 the, of the narrative is that, you know, you come out of the MBA, you already have like a debt, so you paid your, you know, your high fees. So there are like already five, six predetermined uh, careers that you have to choose. And there is almost no space for, for the uncertainty of, you know, figuring out, figuring out what you want to do. And obviously during your MBA, you were so busy, like actually succeeding in that, that you didn't have time to actually uh, funding, to find a, a kind of what I call a, a founder market fit. So basically a, a, a market that, you really feel that could be something where you can you can really um, add value and and being impactful. So it's very hard to come out to an MBA and then one year sabbatical where you start thinking what do you do, uh, because obviously you have this pressure financial pressure. But this is something that will be very useful if the you know if that that thing can be accommodated in, into an MBA program, for example, where they give you a little bit more. Um, allowance and time to figuring out what to do next. Uh, I don't know if that can be done by, I don't know, delaying the fees, if it can be done by having an extra entrepreneurship program, but you know, some a, a kind of buffer moment where you can actually then, okay, now I have all this toolkit, now I can think how I can apply these two important problems in the world, instead of then having to jump, uh, you know, into the corporate world or having to jump in building your startup straight away just because you had that idea even before the MBA. So it may be that it's not any more relevant to you. Um, but, um, and, and then what happened? All of a sudden, you just find yourself in this, you need to be super high performative right after you just you didn't have time to digest all this new knowledge. So I think, I think that, that, that that's something that, uh, that I will suggest uh, you know, a new MBA graduate to do. Uh, it's hard probably, uh, but even if you can take six months to, to just like, Kind of, you know, digest all the knowledge and 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 then figure out what you want to do. Because if you start a company, you're gonna to stick to it for the next at least ten years. Uh, and uh, there is no guarantee of an exit. There's no guarantee of an appeals. Actually, only ten percent of the companies uh, exit. Um, the other, they just like either uh, stay as they are or they they slowly fade away 
or they get like into a different stage um, that requires you to still be kind of involved, um, you know, even if it's like four hours a week or something. Um, so yeah, so this is something to take in consideration when, when I think you complete an MBAs and you have some uh, entrepreneurship aspirations. Thank you so much to Gabriele for being on the podcast today. I learned so much about cryptocurrency. If you'd like to hear more about leadership, head to www.associationmembers.com forward slash ambition. And make sure to listen out for the next Ambition podcast released every Wednesday on your favourite platform.